Talkspace.com. Feeling better starts with a single message. Support for individual, therapy for me, couples therapy for us, teens ages 13 to 17, psychiatry, medication management. Talkspace accepts insurance rated number one. Online therapy, million, one million users, employee stress, check report, what's behind the great resignation. Read the results of this year's survey, introducing more flexibility. Learn about how Talkspace updated their line sessions formats for better format to serve, better serve you. Mental health checkup. Take a short online test to get answers about your mental health. How Talkspace works, brief assessment, answer a few questions about your preferences, pick your therapist, select from a list of recommendations, start therapy, begin the journey toward a happier you, benefits of Talkspace, eliminate commute time and scheduling hassles, flexible plans to meet your needs and lifestyles, seamlessly switch therapists and at no extra cost. Save money while receiving high-quality care. Ready to get started? Talkspace offers comprehensive online mental health treatment options to meet all your needs via video, messaging, or phone. Online therapy, ongoing support from a licensed therapist, couples therapy, relationship-centered therapy that connects you and your partner, teen therapy, specialized therapy for ages 13 to 17, psychiatry evaluations, and psychiatric medication management. More than 60,000 five-star reviews. License providers providing a range of specialists to meet your specific needs in areas like depression, relationships, anxiety, and stress, managing LGBTQIA, chronic illness, eating disorders, anger management, childhood abuse, mood disorders, old trauma and grief, substance abuse, family conflict, and much more. Get matched today, talk space versus face-to-face therapy, 80% found talk space to be as effective or more effective than traditional therapy. 98% found that Talkspace to be more convenient than traditional therapy and, and Talkspace for business, Talkspace partners with employers health, <coughs> Talkspace partners with employers health plans and schools to make mental health care more available and affordable. Morning. Today's floaters is Abigail Fillmore. Abigail Fillmore, knee powers, March 13, 1798 to March 30, 1853. Wife of President Millard Fillmore was the first lady of the United States from 1850 to 1853. She began work as a school teacher at the age of 16, where she took on Millard Fillmore, who was two years her junior as a student. She continued her teaching work after their marriage in 1826 until the birth of her son, Millard Powers Fillmore, in 1828. She lived in Buffalo, New York, where her husband advanced his political career in Albany, New York, and Washington, D.C. She would occasionally join him three in these cities, becoming involved in the social, local social life. She, she became the second lady of the United States in 1849, and her husband was elected vice president on the Whig Party presidential ticket, and she became the First Lady of the United States in 1850 after her husband succeeded to the presidency. Fillmore's most noted achievement as First Lady was the establishment of the first White House Library. She had a lifelong appreciation for literature and refused to live in a home without books. 
Maud became a public reception room in the White House and functioned as the home of a literary salon. She was also involved in the political aspects of the presidency. Her husband often sought her opinion in state affairs. State affairs. She took less interest in the role of White House hostess as she suffered from ailments that prevented her from carrying out some of her duties, including an injured ankle that limited her limited her mobility. Many who were social social delegates were daughter Mary Abigail Fillmore. Fillmore died in the morning age of his name mere weeks after the end of her tenure as first lady. She has received little historical attention. She is considered one of the most obscure first ladies and much of her correspondences are lost. Early life and education. Abigail Powers was born in Stillwater, New York on March 13, 1798 in Sarasota County. She was the youngest of seven children born to Reverend Lemuel Powers and Abigail Newland. Her father was the leader of the First Baptist Church until he died when she was two years old. After Lemuel's death, the family moved to Sempronius, New York. They moved in to in with the Cypress Powers because of their impoverished state. Her father had left behind a large library of his personal books, which Abigail read extensively. Her mother was a school teacher who used these books to teach her to read to and to appreciate her education. She came to love literature and also became proficient in other aspects such as math, government, history, philosophy, and geography. She is also made familiar with abolitionism as a child and the, as a as a child as a Baptist faith of post-slavery and her family was friends with local abolitionists George Washington Johnson. Powers became a career Powers began a career of school teacher at the age of 16, which would eventually make her the first 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 lady to have previously pursued a career. In 1814, Abigail became a part-time school teacher at the Sopranius Village School. In 1817, she became a full-time teacher, and in 1890, she took on another teaching job at the Private New Hope Academy. She advanced her own education by alternating her teaching and her studies at the school. As an adult, she taught herself to speak French and to play the piano. Heritage and family. While teaching at New Hope Academy, she took on Millen Fillmore as a student. They were engaged in 1819, but they did not marry for several years. Mello was not wealthy enough to support a family, and Abigail's family discouraged her from marrying the son of a dirt farmer. They remained in, ta- in contact as they pursued separate teaching careers over the following years. In 1824, she became a private tutor to Lyle and Lyle to three of her cousins. <coughs> She was then asked to open up and open up a private school in Broome County. <coughs> she opened a school in 1825. She went back to Sopranius to teach her in her original position, where she would found a library. While they were apart, they once went as long as three years without seeing one another. <coughs> Abigail Miller married in her brother's home. House in Moravia, New York, on February 1st, 1826. After Miller became an attorney and they moved to East Aurora, New York, <coughs> the women's teachers were often expected to resign at the marriage. 
Abigail Tina the teacher until she had children. The Fillmore's had two children. Their son, Miller Powers Fillmore, was born in 1828. And their daughter, Mary Abigail Abby Fillmore, was born in 1832. In 1830, they moved to Buffalo, New York, which helped establish. He was a member of the New York State Assembly at this time, and Abigail was responsible for tending to the house and children on her own while he was away for work. She would often lament his absence, fearing he would meet a new woman while he was away. While in Buffalo, he joined the local Unitarian Church. Miller also started a law practice in the city, and his success brought the Fillmore's a comfortable life and financial with financial security. She saw to the construction of the Buffalo's first public library, as, and she grew her own personal collection until it reached 4,000 books. She was also responsible for naming the town of Newstead, New York, in 1831. She the name in reference to the home of Lord Byron. Washington, D.C. and Albany, New York. Miller was elected as a member of the United States House of Representatives in 1832, and Abigail stayed in Buffalo while he was in Washington, D.C. He stepped down in 1830, but he was elected again in 1836. And this time, Abigail to Washington, leaving the children with relatives in New York. Here, she would fulfill the social obligations of a politician's wife. And she also sought out cultural and academic institutions in the city. They would continue with this routine each time Congress was in session for the following years. She would write to her children regularly while away, often encouraging self-improvement and scolding them for spelling errors in their in their replies. Abigail was well regarded in Washington social life. In 1840, she was asked to dedicate a building. It was a rare honor for a woman at the time. Though she declined. While in Washington, she sat in on a Senate debate for Henry Clay in 1837 and met Charles Dickens in 1842. They returned to Buffalo after Miller left Congress in 1842 and Abigail became a popular office in the city. When Miller was left to New York State Comptroller, the family moved to Albany, New York, and she became involved in the, with the social life there. While she held fashion society in contempt, she enjoyed observing their behavior and participating in social parties. <coughs> the, Milma, the Fillmore separated from their children again while in Albany, this time sending them away to Massachusetts. On Independence Day of 1842, she sustained an injury in her ankle while walking on an uneven sidewalk. She slipped and twisted her ankle severely and Severely enough that she was able to walk for two weeks. When she began walking, it further flamed her foot. She was bedridden until winter, confined to her room for several months thereafter. The following two years, she would be forced to walk using crutches. The injury never fully healed, and she suffered from chronic pain for the rest of her life. Fillmore began a prone figure when her husband, when her husband was not at all. As a Whig candidate for vice president in the, in the 1848 presidential election, and she became known to the public through a flattering description in the American Review. The Whig ticket was elected, and Abigail became the second lady of the United States in March 1849. Her health had made a return to Washington undesirable, and she remained in Buffalo. Abigail found social life in Washington uninterrupted, and she spent much of her time as second lady, tending to her sister who had suffered from a stroke. She briefly visited Washington to see her husband in 1850. Being the second lady meant being involved with 
my profile, social circles, and she expressed joy in interacting with the prominent authors of the day, such as St. Anne S. Stevens, Lydia Sigourney, and Emma Willard. First Lady of the United States President Zachary Taylor died in July 1850, causing Miller to become President of the United States and Abigail to become his First Lady. Abigail was on vacation in Jersey, in New Jersey with her children when President Taylor died and when she discovered that she was to be the First Lady, she suffered from self-doubt, believing that she would not serve sufficiently. She had become comfortable in domestic life and she was apprehensive about the expectations that had been placed suddenly upon her. She arrived at the White House the following October. Her health her sister's death in February causing her considerable grief. Within the White House, Miller was, was an active first lady that hosted many social events, though she was an active conser- uh, conversationalist. She did not enjoy the social aspects of the role. She found that most guests had little interest in her intellectual pursuits, and she considered them to be cave dwellers. She would often go on coach rides with her husband around Washington and the surrounding countryside. She also took advantage of the cultural elements of Washington while she was First Lady Ring attending art ex- exhibitions and concerts, breaking pre- precedent by traveling without her husband. In the summer, she would return to New York to visit friends and family. The filmers had become, the filmers had come from poverty and, as such, they had little interest in elaborate decoration or refurbishing. Unlike many First Lady, Abigail did not ex- extensively decorate the White House upon entering. Instead, she designed the White House interior in the mind of a middle-class home. She did have her influence the use of mahogany and fine carpet. She also oversaw the expense of the White House heating system and had, and had a kitchen stove installed to replace the practice of cooking by fireplace. Abigail and Miller correspondingly regularly, corresponded regularly when they were apart. Her letters often concerned politics, and she would write back offering him advice and counsel on political matters. She closely followed bills in Congress and other political news, and she was able to discuss them in detail. Her val- he valued her opinion, and he reportedly never made any important decision without first consulting her. Abigail may have advised her husband to sign the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, though he eventually did. Oh, Abigail may not may have advised her husband not to sign the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, though he eventually did. She may have also encouraged him to end the practice of flogging as a punishment in the Navy. Abigail would regularly receive letters from sisters asking her to speak to the President on their behalf, particularly from charities asking for donations and people asking for political patronage. One such individual was her brother David, who received a position in the Fillmore Administration. Due to her poor health, Fillmore reg- delegated many of her duties to her daughter Abby, who was responsible for meeting with calls outside of the White House. Her ankle injury further complicated her role as White House hostess, and she would be bedridden for a day after standing for hours to manage a long receiving line. By the end of the Fillmore president, Abby carried out most of her social of the social aspects of the role. One particular incident that prevented Fillmore from carrying out her duties was a second injury to her ankle in 1851 that left her incapacitated for weeks. She was also relieved to, from further responses due to the more reserved nature of social life at the White House caused by President Taylor's death and growing political polarization.
White House Library. When Abigail first moved into the White House, she was reportedly appalled at the fact that there was no library in it. Various presidents had brought their own private book collections to the White House, retaining them after the end of their presidency. The film decided that the library was a necessary fixture in the White House, as Abigail was accustomed to having books in the home and Millips depended on reference books and his works as presidents. The $2,000 equivalent to $65,144 in 2021, authorized by Congress, she selected books for a White House library in the Oval Room. Abigail took responsibility for the organization and decoration of the room. She modeled the room after the style of Andrew Jackson Downey, using cottage furniture with Walmart friends. Whenever new packages of books arrived, she would personally open them and place the books. The library became a social hub of the White House during the Fillmore administration. Abigail hosted writers such as William Thackeray, Charles Dickens, Washington Irving, and Helen Aldridge, DeCroix, and performing artists such as Anna Bishop and Jenny Lind, essentially creating a White House, li- White House literary salon. This library became her primary focus as First Lady, with it serving as a reception room, a family room, and a place of rest for her husband. It also doubled as a music room with, with Abby using the room to play piano, piano, harp, and guitar. Abigail spent a large portion of her time as First Lady in her library, and Millen often spent an hour in the library at night after leaving the executive chamber. Death. Abigail was the first First Lady to attend the inauguration of her successor. After leaving the White House, she and her husband had begun planning traps. I began planning travel. These plans were interrupted when she caught a cold that progressed into bronchitis and then pneumonia. When the doctor was called, he used, he used an ineffective cupping and blistering technique that may have worsened her health. She died of her illness in the Willard Hotel on March 30, 1853, age 55. She was laid in state in Washington and then buried in Forest Lawn Cemetery in Buffalo, New York. Washington went into a period of mourning, and much of the federal government temporarily ceased operation in respect to her of her death. In his memory, <coughs> Miller credited her for the support that she provided in progression in progressing his education. On February 10, 1858, five years after her death, her husband married Carolyn Carmichael McIntosh, a wealthy Buffalo widow. They remained married until Miller's death. From a stroke on March 8, 1874, at the age of 74. Legacy. As an antebellum first lady, Filmer held the position at a time when it received very little public attention. She was not received. She has not received significant historical coverage relative to first ladies of other eras, and is often regarded as a less active first lady. She is best known for her organization of a library in the White House, biographers of Millard Filmer. I've generally given little attention to Abigail, in part due to the lack of surviving documents. Most of her private correspondences have been lost and are presumed to have been destroyed by her son. What does survive is primarily a list of books that she asked her husband to purchase while he traveled. His stories disagree on the extent that her poor health and anxiety prevented her from carrying out White House duties. Some say that it was severe enough to limit her ability, while others say that it was merely an excuse to avoid the responsibilities of a first lady. She is typically recognized as an intellectual as, as an intellectual and as a supportive influence in the president's life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Abigail. Fillmore, have a good week and stay safe. Thank you.